Hey everybody, what's going on? It's Christopher Czar and it's time for today's stretch for Thursday, October 14th, 2021 and I'm just checking in on you. What up gang? (laughs) How you doing out there? I love doing this. I love checking in on you. (laughs) I like seeing how you are, how your week has been. You know, maybe find some stuff that we can relate about. <laughs> like the fact that October is the best month of the year. <laughs> the sunsets just hit different. That orange hue that you see on the horizon during this time of year is unlike any other. And I'll stick up for that. At least that is, you know, the way it is in San Diego. All the locals are here. None of you know the the snowbirds are here. None of you none of you summer folk are here. It's just us. <laughs> and I'm sure some other places would agree. New York, for example, I hear New York comics talk about how October is a wonderful month, especially when the Yankees are in the playoffs, but that's not this year, is it? <laughs> and why is that? Because the Red Sox knocked y'all the fuck out. And guess what? Tampa Bay Rays. You might have gotten the, you know, division pennant. la di da But who won the division series? <laughs> Three to one handedly. Your Boston Red Sox. Giving me some life. Something to cheer on during this playoff season. <laughs> but the real story Uh, Since we're talking about baseball, the real story is the Dodgers-Giants series. That is the series (laughs) that has everybody's eyes peeled uh, this October. And why is that? Because you got a couple of California Titans going up against one another. Both 100-win teams, uh, a little West Coast rivalry, you know, not quite of the Yankee Red Sox caliber, but close to it, you know, and, uh, you know, being a Padres fan, it's like, you know, beat each other the fuck up. I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I like, I, I can't, I can't believe that what, uh, what I'm hearing right now in terms of the national football league. That there would actually be an individual, you know, about a decade ago, calling people pussies and fags. (laughs) I hesitated as I said the second word. Uh, Man, I'm being trained well. Because, you know, like back in the day, back in the day, and I mean like the 90s, I had no idea. Maybe I was just a little kid. But I had no idea that uh, the F word, which apparently is such a bad word that I have to say the F word now. The F word is... A word that I had no idea that was associated with gays. It was just something that you call people, you know, that were just being a slapjack. (laughs) You know, like saying something that was completely unnecessary. And not just like unnecessary, but in a tone that was like lame. (laughs) You know, you just like look at him like, dude, can you just, can you quit being a faggot? (laughs) (laughs) cancel me now 
no um <laughs> I, I i will admit um it's not a word that uh, i use uh to address people it's not something that i use to insult people because you know i have grown and learned how that is a word that if it gets overheard even in like a conversation that it's hurtful and even now, you know, even if I'm just like talking about the word, like not even using the word towards somebody, <laughs> that I got some hairs to raise on some people's necks, and that's okay. You know, just let everybody know it's not a word that I use towards somebody. And that's because I'm empathetic and aware <laughs> that, uh, that those words can be hurtful. But, you know, reel the clock back a little bit. And, uh, you know, Calling someone a pussy, it's not because it has any reference to a vagina, <laughs> right? I don't think guys have anything derogatory to say about vaginas at all. <laughs> I mean, the straight guys anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, they're great. It's like it's a, it's a power center. And they have all kinds of names for it, you know? Some like pussy. <laughs> at least that's what the uh, adult performers you know, tend to say. You know, that, that C word, you know, cunt, <laughs> the famous ones, you know, that uh, Australia likes to use just offhandedly, probably because they know it, it bristles people. That one's not used in, in an enjoyable way, but that's a word, you know, for that general region. And uh, <laughs> one that has uh, come across in my hippie circles recently is the word yoni. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, did you know, <laughs> listeners, did you know that there are women who will deliberately keep a crystal in their cooch? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they call that a, a yoni crystal <laughs> or a yoni stone, <laughs> not a rock, <laughs> because these aren't rocks. They're different. They're special. You know, they're shined up real nice. They have a real pleasurable shape. Sometimes in the shape of an egg. So you'll have like a yoni egg. <laughs> and also, this is also uh, reportedly the class of woman who will also uh, steam <laughs> the said yoni. Right? You know, and I can imagine that feels nice. Ash, you know, it's like, dang. I don't know why I haven't thought of that. You know, I'm just kind of like hanging out there with my taint over this warm bowl of water with a little steam coming up feels nice on the face <laughs> why would it not on my root chakra right am i right ah <laughs> oh, jeez yeah and, and there's you can tell what type of person you're dealing with with the type of vocabulary they use for example uh grand rising instead of like good morning or hello grand rising <laughs> not a terrible phrase right i can see what they're doing there you know instead of good morning let's up it a little bit grand rising and uh, i saw a meme <laughs> recently that was all like yeah you got to be careful of those toxic spiritual men though grand rising divine feminine <laughs> god damn it though grand rising divine feminine right into a steamed yoni <laughs> and it's like you're right you know toxic spiritual people will be saying that you know just so that way they can have some you know tantric touch 
Yeah, I'm, I'm up to those antics. I'm up to your schemes. And it's fun. You know, have fun, you hippies. <laughs> you nomads, you pagans. <laughs> you people of the earth. You unconventional friends, you. We love you. You know, and by all means, say things as eloquently as you'd like. Take care of those root chakras and <laughs> keep having a good time for the rest of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I bet you, you know, they kind of feel like they're on top of the world when that happens. Not like Tyson Fury on top of the world. You know, you got the the Gypsy King, the Great Brit, the big brutish oaf. He's an abs- just an absolute character. It's hard for me not to like the guy. And I was telling one of my friends who's like really into boxing, really into fighting. In the Tyson Fury versus you know Devontae Wilder fight, that it feels strange to not root for the American, the American being Devontae Wilder, especially when the guy is an absolute animal. But this other guy over here with the funny accent <laughs> and the egg-shaped head <laughs> and just like his body is nothing to be impressed about, but here he is. Being the motherfucking champion of the world. A body positive male figure. Having the belt. What a beautiful thing. <laughs> and in that fight, I let my buddy Mark know. I was like, hey. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take uh, I'm gonna take Fury in this one. I didn't know it was going to be by knockout. Did not know it was going to go 11 to 12 rounds. Also did not know that, that Mr. Wilder would send Fury to the fucking canvas, not once, but twice. And so it was a a pretty valiant battle, but to have a a best of three series where the first one's a draw, the second one's a win um, by figure of the other manager throwing in the towel, and then the third one by a handedly uh, decisive knockout, that gentleman has got to feel like he's on top of the world. And for someone that's struggled with depression, Someone that's struggled with really being poor. Someone that's struggled with uh, being lonely because he was so committed to to grinding to the top and having just like the kind of the type of swagger that he has. You know, he's like he's a Spartan, but he's not a predator, if that makes sense. And I really dig that. So congrats to you, Mr. Fury. Uh, Devontae Wilder, you're a beast. I never want to step in the ring with you. <laughs> but I do want to see that Jake Paul fight. <laughs> Give me Jake Paul and Devontae Wilder right now. <laughs> you know, and we'll see if Paul is a is a real boxing contender. How about that? <laughs> that'll sell some pay-per-views. <laughs> uh, that'll put people in the stands. And uh, oh shit, you know, that reminds me. Last podcast, I was supposed to talk about homecoming. And I I went to my homecoming last Friday, 10 years after I graduated. And I'm here to tell you, at least where I'm from, not that many people go to homecoming. (laughs) I mean, sorry, not that many alum go to homecoming, but the teachers come out, the coaches come out, the admin come out, the students show up in in great force. And those stands were packed, man. At least the home side was from left to right. And then they did a pretty cheeky uh, decision by having a league game (laughs) as their homecoming game. (laughs) Marietta Valley versus Great Oak, also known as the Great Joke. (laughs) Uh, 
amongst the division. And, dude, they absolutely mollywopped him. <laughs> Just like you'd hope a person would. Just like you would hope your homecoming team would. Or that your home team would for their homecoming game. And that was great to see. It was great to see all the people in the stands. It was great to see my old teachers. And, you know, I'm a fan of reconnecting with where you came from. So I recommend you go. But some things to watch out for. Number one, when you go back to your high school and when you're around a bunch of other high schoolers, when you're at the age of 28, you realize, holy smokes, these are all children. Look at all these children. (laughs) they're dressing like adults they're talking like adults but they're not adults at all (laughs) and i remember being that age feeling like oh i'm an adult just like these other adults (laughs) and the answer is no wrong (laughs) you are some type of mutant child (laughs) it's possible for you to be six feet tall (laughs) and also clearly be a kid you know not a baby but absolutely a child and so when you go back, I, it's, it's, that's just a weird thing to experience. It's like, wow, this is what it's like being around all these mutants. And the other strange thing that might happen is that the old teachers that you have, like in your mind, you approach them just like you did when you were a kid, right? So it's like, oh, wow, there's like a generational difference between us, you're a teacher. And then they ask you to like call them by their first name, <laughs> you know, or like, uh, talk to you very frankly (laughs) using unfiltered language (laughs) and you know they might uh by the smell of their breath might have had a a few libations and they feel perfectly comfortable (laughs) you know speaking around you and for the teachers that have like the (laughs) the slapjack students you know the slappies the knuckleheads The students that, they don't give a fuck. (laughs) There's like that soundbite on TikTok. Or it's all like, oh yeah, so we're going to have you teach physics to students. It's like, oh great, I'd love to do that. I mean, do they want to learn physics? No, 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 they don't want to learn physics at all. No, while they are sexually exploding and beating the shit out of each other, you need (laughs) to convince them (laughs) to learn about physics. (laughs) and that's the kind of shit that some teachers are working with and so boy man when you go back as an adult they are more than happy (laughs) to vent with you about the qualms that go on in their classrooms and then there's a lot of hope (laughs) that fills your soul right hope for the future of america and then when you see you know the friends of yours that are going into public education it's like you got your really smart friends, very academic ones, becoming usually, you know, doctors, lawyers, uh, physician assistants, surgeons, something of that of that area, right? They took out a fuck ton of money <laughs> to uh, get some graduate education, and uh, the 80k student loan doesn't matter because they're making 90k in the year. <laughs> So they're just going to pay it off for the next 10 years of their life and hope for the best. And then the, you know, middle of the road ones, they'll go into business, you know, they'll go into sales. Um, The entrepreneurial ones are the ones that have a particular skill developed. So they're not, you know, wildly academic, but they have a specific skill. They'll become coders. 
You know, they'll become sales specialists. They'll become real estate agents and actually good at it. <laughs> and the people that are just below that. <laughs> so not the academics, right? Not the uh, almost there, but, you know, taking the higher road. And not even quite the middle road, but it seems as though the friends of yours that are just like a little bit degenerate, <laughs> those are the ones that go into higher education, <laughs> right? They're the middle school teachers and the high school teachers. <laughs> Unless, of course, they have like a, a love of sports or like a love of kids. Like I have one friend of mine. She got her master's education at USC. And she's, you know legitimately over a hundred thousand dollars in debt um but the good news is is that she married rich <laughs> which means she can't pursue her passion which is teaching elementary kids <laughs> while she has this whopping fucking student loan uh yeah no it's it's stressful and that's okay you know life doesn't have to be fair it doesn't have to be grand you know it Life can uh, have fair amounts of chaos. Can have different dimensions. You know, it's like some dimensions are more or less official. Like her relationship, her job, pretty official. <laughs> the student loan that she has, something that she's not really going to think about. She'll check in on time to time, right? She'll take care of it. No worries. You can come calling. Oh, yeah, don't worry. I'll give you some money. But, you know, we're not like official. I don't, I don't like to think of you as really a part of me <laughs> or something that's a part of my life. Kind of like a side piece or kind of like a territory, <laughs> if you can believe that. Can you believe that? Actually, that there are nations which have territories, <laughs> like not states, you know, or not regions where people live, where cultures are that have like sovereign freedom. <laughs> And who take care of themselves independently, but they're territories of other nations. And <laughs> my best friend, she's, uh, she's Puerto Rican. <laughs> One of my best friends, she's Puerto Rican. And so every once in a while we'll be in conversation and there'll be an opportunity for a joke to come up, <laughs> you know, about how, uh, you know, Puerto Rico a lot of great things about it. You know, great island to visit. Got a a rum factory on there, Bacardi rum. Fantastic. Really great cigars where you can find it. And a very lively culture. You know, electrifying people. Really sweet. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, are they really like their own thing? Like they're allowed to vote? <laughs> they let to make decisions with what goes on in the nation that they're a part of. No, no, they're like America's side piece. <laughs> uh, man, poor Puerto Rico. I mean, they're great. I love the fact that they're around and they're also not the only territory as you know, most figures who have side pieces usually don't just have one. <laughs> you no, know, it's like, it's the exotic friend. You know, I want to have a couple drinks with, send some money when they need help, have some fun, party a little bit, visit you every once in a while, but you know, not exactly someone that you say is uh, home. <laughs> not a star on the old flag, if you know what I mean. 
Uh, poor Puerto Rico. Yeah, and there's other ones too. Yeah, U.S. Virgin Islands. That one's kind of funky. I don't really know too much about that one. I had a friend uh, that I met in college who was was from the islands, and he was rad, man. But he was like legitimately a pirate. <laughs> like there was something about his look that just communicated pirate. It's kind of like the long hair, <laughs> or like the kind of name that he had. The fact that he rode motorcycles, as you'd imagine a modern day pirate would. And his favorite thing in the world was this boat. <laughs> he loves souping that thing up and going fast. You know, evading trouble, causing a little trouble. You know, the kind of things that pirates do. And uh, and, and they're just, they're not as official as, say, Hawaii. Right? Because <laughs> Hawaii, Hawaii is nice enough to be a state. <laughs> Rounds us out. Real good at 50, right? At 51, that just seems kind of tacky. We have to make a whole new flag, have a new assembly of stars, and I uh, can't really do that. When we finished with the Hawaii, that was a really nice, you know, <laughs> cherry <laughs> on top of this great big Sunday that we have. And, uh, and with my friend that's Puerto Rican, she's also a Native American. And... Uh, and it's funny, like, hearing her perception and her family's perception at, at points on, you know, what they think of people who, like, live on reservations and, and whatnot. And we were talking about Hawaii once, and she was like, yeah, you know, like, Hawaiian people, they're, yeah, they're a part of this nation, and uh, they're, they're glad that they make money off the white folks, but they're kind of assholes. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, that's racist. <laughs> you can't be calling people of color as a group assholes that's just a, that's just a no no you can't do it and i was like wait a second you can right <laughs> you're ethnic you're puerto rican you're native american you know you're a woman you you definitely can i'm sorry i can't i'm not allowed <laughs> to do that <laughs> right because you can't be racist only i can be racist <laughs> white folks with an x White folks only on the racism, nobody else. <laughs> uh, I was watching this Jordan Peterson clip about, uh, he was in, a, in an interview with uh, his daughter and this, um, and this woman who, and I only watched a small clip of it, so I guess I forgot her name. But he was asking about this proposition that this other woman who is not his daughter put forward. And that's the notion that all white people are racist. And he went into an, an, an intelligent psychological bit on how there's in groups and out groups and how every human being, no matter the background tends to select for their in group, the people that they're most alike and whether by function of language, function of protection, uh, ingrained fear, whatever factors you want to attribute to it, there is an outgroup, which they might have dislike for or skepticism of, or even like disgust or fear. And it's not something that just applies to white people, <laughs> if you can believe that or not. And, uh, and I thought that that was well said, you know, cause in groups and out groups, just from, uh, from a psychological perspective is a good notion to know. It's a good thing for people to remember so we don't get too lost in the sauce 
about why certain people are the way that they are and trying not to attribute things just because of the color of their skin. <laughs> so, you know, um, when I saw that, I was, I was pretty inspired and I was like, dang, Jordan, you really get it sometimes. Other times you don't. <laughs> yeah. Other times I, your, your high pitch screech kind of gets in the way, but dang, man, thanks for, um, thanks for sharing what, what little bits of, of goodness you can, because that shit's helpful. And to have that type of self-awareness, you know, awareness of who we are as a human being is important. Because that's how we figure out our own flaws. That's how we create harmony with other individuals who have other ways of bonding, accepting, communicating their own reasons for doing things. And that's just part of the, the magic of being a human being. I was watching an anime recently. And in this anime, there's... Um, there's like a, there's demons, right? These demon realms you have, uh, there's angels in it. They're not like the main characters. Um, there's fairies, there's giants, there's vampires, <laughs> right? So you have all of these like celestial, you know, um, kind of like mythological creatures and there's human beings amongst them. Uh, one human being, for example, is the type of human being that drank from the fountain of youth. So he's kind of undead, if that makes sense. And you have like Camelot and King Arthur and this whole cast of characters. And in this anime, they were able to slip in there how chaos, chaos and is a, is an entity which enjoys human beings because human beings are paradoxes. They're capable of both, you know, love and hate of generosity and greed. They have the entire spectrum. And so, you know, when you compare goddesses and demons, you know, the most good or the most evil, the most perfect between the three in chaos's mind might be humans because of the, the fact that they can be anything, anything. It just depends how they're wielded. And I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> damn anime you know you don't have to go that you know hit me in the feels like that and for those of you that are wondering it's uh the seven deadly sins that one's towards the end though there's a, a lot of other great metaphors and storytelling along the way give it a shot if uh you're into you know that kind of fantasy which like i knew i kind of was because i was a, a zelda geek as a kid if, I mean, if you're allowed to call me that, I was just, I was really into the legend of Zelda. Um, my stepdad was, uh, that was the guy who initiated it, you know, watch him play the Ocarina of time and then do it myself eventually. And then you had Majora's mask after that. And you had a couple of like game boy editions and, oh dude, the wind waker. That one was really good. That one was on GameCube. It's completely different. Cartoon animation, completely different style. No. Twilight, that one was wild. Skyward Sword, that one's wild. Breath of the Wild, <laughs> that one's wild. And with each of those iterations, they all told a, a really fantastic story, you know, regarding certainly the elements 
and what the elements and nature, uh, what type of story they tell us, uh, the type of facets that we can find in behavior and the type of breaks that we get in life because of our special skills and also disadvantages, the upsides and downsides to being these particular elements and how wisdom, courage, and power, you know, they're different domains. And depending how you wield those domains can determine the outcome of the world. And I don't know. I mean, I'm the kind of geek that reads the cutscenes. <laughs> like nobody, most people don't do that when they play video games. <laughs> right? They're just like, yeah, just, uh, just let me get going and slay some shit. Right? Let me blow some shit up. But I'm like, oh, hang on. <laughs> I'm trying to read the script here. <laughs> and so maybe I should have known at a young age that I enjoyed illustrative storytelling, compelling storytelling, profound revelations through storytelling. And, and since with anime, you know, with animation, with cartoon drawings, you can make the world whatever you want. There's really no limits, no bounds. And, uh, and it, when you pair those things together, fuck, can you get a really good story? Now, I'm not even sure if Seven Deadly Sins, The Seven Deadly Sins is the best anime out there. I am not that far into it. My brothers are. My brothers can tell you all about it. I'm not going to clout as though like I'm a real anime fan. But what I can tell you is that the way that uh, The Seven Deadly Sins portrays anime, I think that anime is fucking dope. You know, not just because, you know, all the guy characters in there are fucking jacked. <laughs> like those guys are shredded. And they do like really cool stuff with eyes. You know, they give like different color eyes, different types of slants, and they're able to really hyperbolize characters in a way that's pretty special, even with like the garb that they have and how, you know, like when you watch characters on a show, they wear the same clothes all the fucking time. Like, like, geez, Shaggy, <laughs> do you have anything besides that stinky green shirt? <laughs> you know, most cartoons, like they have to do that just for continuity's sake. And then when you get into a show like that, when they change, it's usually f to resemble something. There's a lot of symbolism in just about anything that they'll reveal in the show. And uh, another thing that I appreciate with anime is I, I have no idea how they do this, but they know how to make female characters be extremely sexually compelling. <laughs> like, dude, you don't got to do that. Her name's Merlin. She's a wizard. <laughs> you know it's like her hip dips the fact that you know you're revealing the uh upper inner and under boob somehow simultaneously while she's wearing a cape and floating in the air <laughs> did you have to do that <laughs> no no yeah dude animate tits i don't know how the fuck they did that but i can see how people get into that i can see how people have that uh become a bit of a kink <laughs> so you go out there you freaks shine your colors wave your flags and let your freak flag fry fly <laughs> uh, oh yeah real quick before um, i talk about what happened with yoga and meditation this week um i'm an idiot <laughs> no i'm not an idiot i have good moments um i enjoy improving my knowledge base i'm aware that i don't know everything and sometimes i get shit mixed up 
And on the last podcast, I said that the Polak Copernicus was the person that posited that the world was round. And no, <laughs> I realized as I was analyzing myself the following day, he wasn't. <laughs> that was the dude that said the sun was at the center of our solar system, that the solar system didn't revolve around us, didn't revolve around us, Earth, but rather that Earth revolves around the sun. And that's cool. Way to go, Poland. <laughs> you got something good there. The culture that assumed that the world was round was, uh, and I say assume because they didn't have the instruments necessarily to actually take the calculation. But through inference, um, apparently it's been known for a long ass time. <laughs> like before medieval times, like you go as far back as uh, Aristotle. And uh, there's a general notion that the world is a sphere. Um, Greeks, certainly, you know, before the turn of the common era, multiple thousands of years before we start moving from BC to AD. they had posited that the world was round and that there was only some people, only some faction that thought that the world was flat. And apparently those people kept reproducing because <laughs> we still have those fools out here today. <laughs> Even though we've been to space, we've literally left earth and looked at earth and been like, yo, it's round. <laughs> you know, like we didn't need to infer like Aristotle did. You know, like, oh, hey, like when the eclipse happens, it, it actually casts a round shadow <laughs> on that moon. Perhaps our thing's round too. Imagine that. <laughs> no, no. We've actually left, looked at it and be like, oh, yeah, motherfucker, it's round. <laughs> There's people out here like, no, the map is flat. The world is flat. Go to the ice wall and find out for yourself. Like, sure, man. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, grand rising, you know, you divine feminine, you. <laughs> <laughs> right back at you. Oh. Um, but with, with yoga and, and meditation this week, there was something special um, that happened during one of the meditations that I had with zaryogastudio.com come through. And one of the special things that happened was on a day where everybody showed up in a generally good mood, we got to do a little... Uh, exploration, you know, a sift through feelings and whatnot. And it's, it's kind of cool how storytelling describes itself or really like unveils itself with different imagery and different ways of resonating with the human spirit, with the human mind. And one of those things is a knowing that at the foundation at the lowest part of ourselves, the most rudimentary thing that we do as human beings is we ensure our security. Physiologically, certainly. Have our food, have our water, have our shelter. And if we don't have these things set, then we can't. We can't really master any other part of ourselves. And we can sort of bounce around in this realm of, okay, like, let's be safe and okay, let's enjoy. And this 
safety and enjoyment is something that any person, any caveman, <laughs> any Neanderthal, any individual will operate in. But right above that, right above that is willpower. And in psychology, they have Maslow's hierarchy. And that'll describe how you have to basically ensure safety first. And then have a sense of belonging, find love, find connection. That's somewhere in the middle. And then above that, you have aestheticism and expression. And then uh, you have something that transcends you. A legacy that you can leave behind, that type of thing. And then with yoga, there is the term of uh, chakras. (laughs) Not chakras. <laughs> I was told when I was in India, it's ch- like chimney <laughs> chakras. And if someone doesn't say it with a ch, then they're not woke. <laughs> they're misappropriating the language. <laughs> so, you know, if they tell you your chakras blocked, you can tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> in any case, with chakras at the lowest level, at the foundational level, at the red level. Uh, that's what you have. You have your safety at your root chakra. It's all about safety. Is your home dialed in? Do you feel safe? Right above that, you have your um, your sacral chakra. It's the color orange. And there you have your sweetness, right? You have your indulgences, and of course, an imbalanced. Expression of that uh, indulgence is going to be what? It's going to be a tummy ache, you motherfucker. <laughs> Clutch that navel region of yours. <laughs> Been a little too sexual lately, huh? You got a little pain in there? <laughs> Drink some cranberry juice now. <laughs> Go get checked. And also, also, uh, if you have a balanced expression of that, you know, then you won't have too much weight. On that little belt of yours, right? Not eating too many sweets. <laughs> because you've been exerting what's right above that. And that's a fair amount of willpower. Discipline, honor, strength, inner fire. The thing that is going to begin to catalyze you from this lower operating of self. And prepare for you to bridge across to your higher self. And so you have that red region, the root, orange region, the sacral, the yellow region, the solar plexus, that inner fire. And then you get to the middle of the seven. And that's the heart space, the heart chakra. Now, the progression of the colors is just like the rainbow. It's Roy G. Biv, right? Red, orange, yellow, green. Uh, Although... It could be that green is the masculine expression and that the feminine expression of the heart is the color pink. Where's pink on this? I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. And that that heart space is a space for transmutation. And all the other regions that were mentioned, it's the story goes. The inputs equal the outputs. If you put good stuff in, good stuff is going to come out. Put bad stuff in, bad stuff is going to come out. If you do things with a balanced expression, then you're going to be free, open, clear. If you do things with an imbalanced expression, then that misalignment is going to create some blockages. 
It's going to create some pain. It's going to create some hangups. The heart space, however, is capable of receiving bad things and making it good. It's where forgiveness happens. It's where patience happens. It's where kindness can be given. Even when a person feels unworthy or even when a person feels undeserving of it. Now, I'll talk about the next ones on, on another cast, I'm sure. But when we got to that space in the meditation, I, I looked at the screen and there were some tears, smiles and also tears moving down people's faces. And it's not that like when you're doing a meditation, you're doing any sort of like lecture or prayer or motivational speech. <laughs> like let the people fucking meditate. <laughs> And so, like, we sat there in silence for a little while. And, uh, and I realized after that that there's something really special with holding space, with sharing space, and the stories that we can draw from and explore through. And so, thank you, India. Thank you, yoga. Thank you, Upanishads. Thank you, uh, philosophy. Thank you, the abstract stories, which help us make sense of ourselves and the environment around us. So, um, yeah, I'm a little bit of an idiot. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but I'm, I'm earnest. I'm sincere. I really hope to make the world a better place. And I hope I gave you a, uh, you know, little improvement to your day. Thanks for coming through to today's stretch uh, this Thursday afternoon. Um, and I will see you again back here on Monday. Follow me on the Instagram, Christopher Zar, Yoga Zar, if you're into the yoga stuff. TikTok, Yoga Zar, if you're into the yoga stuff. YouTube, Yoga Zar, if you're into the yoga stuff. And of course, ZarYogaStudio.com. That's the plugs I got for you. I love you. I'll see you around here soon. Checking on you on Monday. Peace. <laughs>